Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Kroger, fresh for everyone. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. You know, you win so much that you almost feel uh, like you forget what losing feels like. And then out of nowhere, you're sort of reminded. Yesterday, an example of that. If you watched yesterday's show on video, maybe even heard me say this on podcast, I was wearing my Braves jersey yesterday, looking forward to getting done with work, sneaking away from the studio, and going and enjoying a little day baseball series finale against the San Francisco Giants. So proud of myself. I you know, navigated the traffic very well. Sometimes going to a day game there at Truist Park can be a little tricky because of all the action in the streets around the ballpark but i navigated it just perfectly uh i got into a parking space way quicker than almost anyone could have ever believed i could have and i'm on my way walking into the stadium very close to first pitch not quite first pitch but very very close to first pitch and then boom out of nowhere it drops out of the sky that arch manning has committed to texas a twitter account that didn't even exist a few months ago and i believe this is the only tweet that manning has ever sent uh, committed to the University of Texas, and he gives you the uh, hashtag hook em on all of that, and all of a sudden you're left to say, oh boy, uh, that is a big one. And yeah, there you go, a little uh, artistic license on our on the part of our uh, producer, Michael Carvel, uh, with a little bit of a Kirby shrug on the uh, Manning decision. So yeah, that is that. And listen, I want to talk a lot about the Manning thing today. Let me talk about me for a quick moment as a way of leading into the Manning thing, if you don't mind. Like my goal in life is I'd like to still be doing a show like this like 40 years from now. I mean, God willing, I have good enough health to do that. But in some form or fashion, however the technology changes or however the world evolves, uh, I hope to be doing some sort of Georgia football themed centric show the way I'm doing now. I hope to be doing that for the next 40 years. There's a famous um, like motivational type guy named Zig Ziglar who used to talk about how the concept of retirement doesn't exist in the Bible. And that has always kind of, as an idea, made some sense to me. Like, I don't really see myself ever wanting to retire, at least fully retire. I hope to work forever. Uh, Obviously, I won't live forever. But as long as my forever stands, I sort of hope to work the entire time. And part of what that means is, okay, if I'm really going to do a Georgia football show for the next 40 years or however long my, you know, time on this earth, you know, lasts, you have to be able to earn the right to have people continue to invite you into their lives as you're driving around doing work or exercising or, you know, whatever you're doing. Some of you, you know, listen at night before you go to sleep, whatever else, like whatever your routine is that includes this show, you have to earn the right to keep visiting people in their lives each and every day. And I take that job pretty seriously of how do I earn the right to keep doing this? And when there's good news for UGA, hopefully, as a Georgia fan myself, speaking to other Georgia fans, hopefully we're as loud as anybody celebrating that good news and having a good time for that. We really want to kind of lead with fun when we possibly can. Uh, And that's kind of the way in which we sort of earn your trust over the course of the long haul is that we're happy when you're happy. And when something like not good happens, at least let's be honest about it, right? You know, if Georgia takes a loss, let's just call it a loss and let's not get caught trying to do too much spin control and make it something that it's not or oversell the, 
the the you know the good vibes around what might sort of be a momentary piece uh, piece of bad news. Let's not try to oversell that too much. Let's not get caught lying, in other words. And so, with that in mind, trying to be as truthful as I can in the hopes that I can keep doing this for many years to come without you know ruining my credibility. Admittedly, I'm disappointed today. Like I wanted Georgia to get Arch Manning. I have no idea how good Arch Manning is going to be as a quarterback. I don't think anyone can. But clearly, this was a player I was hoping that Georgia would get. My ego is also bruised today because I thought Georgia was going to get Arch Manning. So I, not only was I wrong about this, but the team that I cheer for had a chance to get a big recruiting win, and it went the other way. For the short term in this sort of you know uh, current moment, this is a little bit of an L for Georgia. And sometimes in life, you just sort of take the L. This is kind of an example of that. So with that in mind, let me speak for this on a, uh, for a few moments. I'm going to give you what I believe are a few hard truths that probably need to be confronted on the, on the heels of Manning making the decision that he's made. And then I'm going to wrap all of this up by giving you truly what I believe is a silver lining related to this there as well. So let's kind of go through this here uh, a little bit quickly. Like here's the one thing in terms of like being honest that I hope that I don't do. I think there's an immediate temptation to want to pivot very quickly. Georgia doesn't get Arch Manning uh, and there's this uh, temptation to want to say, well, that's okay. Georgia's already stacked and loaded at the quarterback position. And around here, hopefully you don't hear me overselling that too much. What you hopefully hear me saying on a regular basis is what I believe is the truth, which is we have no idea what Georgia has in the future at the quarterback position. We know the names of the players currently on the roster, but we don't know how good any of these guys are going to be, much the same way that we don't know how good Arch Manning is going to be, whether he plays at Georgia or whether he plays at Texas. I think there's obviously a lot to like with the future of Carson Beck and Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton, you know, waiting the wings to be the next guy maybe at the University of Georgia or waiting the wings to eventually be the guy at the University of Georgia in some cases. There is obviously a lot to recommend about all of these players. But in terms of, you know, betting my mortgage payment or, 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 or you, know, you know, betting a large stake of my reputation on saying, I know for a fact this guy's going to be it. Or I know for a fact that Georgia's got, you know, great quarterback stacked one right after the other. There is a degree to which that is unknowable. And so that's one of the things that kind of comes to the forefront here when it comes to this quarterback uh, situation is the reason why I wanted Georgia to get Arch was because it was one more guy you could add into a group of guys in the hope that you find someone who can be your quarterback of the future. Hopefully you've heard me say this a lot. As a both fan of the sport and someone who kind of talks about the sport for a living, I put my faith in numbers. I do not put my faith in names. There is no one individual name who I am certain is a can't miss prospect because I don't think that person exists. But if you give me a long list of names, a number of guys in any one situation, that's where my faith goes. In other words, the likelihood of Georgia finding a great quarterback and a quarterback room that also included Arch Manning to go along with Carson Beck, Brock Vandegrift, and and, uh, and Gunnar Stockton is, in my mind, just greater than the chances of producing a great quarterback that does not include that extra name in the discussion. Now, there's a chance that Brock or Gunnar or, or, or Carson will end up being better than Arch. I'm not willing to make a bet on that one way or another. I, I'm, I'm, I'm truly not. But Georgia's chances of finding a great quarterback would have been better if an additional name like Arch Manning was on the roster. So that's kind of a hard truth I think that has to be confronted here is, is that while Georgia has a long list of future options in the quarterback position, as of right now, none of us can say we know for sure what any of those guys 
are eventually going to be able to do at the college level. Hopefully we find some of that kind of stuff out, or maybe we hear that the Georgia coaches are in their process of finding some of that kind of stuff out. But as of right now, evaluating these players as prospects, there is a degree which that's just kind of unknowable there a, a bit. Another hard truth that has to be confronted here is, is that on the heels of going all in on Arch Manning, which was probably the only strategy for winning this battle, that you couldn't halfway recruit Manning. You couldn't have like, you know, one foot in the Manning, you know, battle and another foot in another, you know, battle somewhere else. You can't fight a war on two fronts and certainly in recruiting when it comes to quarterbacks, you can't have two different battlegrounds where you're like, you know, hedging your Arch Manning bet with some other players somewhere else. And Georgia having gone all in on Manning, knowing there was a risk they wouldn't get him, now they have to deal with the consequences of that risk. My guess is it is probably too late for Georgia to get involved with a 2023 quarterback of no. Maybe I'll be surprised that ends up not being true. But my guess right now is that it's probably too late for Georgia to get involved with a 2023 quarterback. Now, on the other hand, the the other thing that's important to consider in this is I do not believe it's too late for Georgia to get involved with a 2024 quarterback. Now, Dylan Rayola, who's already committed to Ohio State, you know, that's probably, you know, a ship that sailed. But when we talk to Jeff Sintel, who'll join us live here in a moment, you'll hear the name Julian Sayan come up. That's a really good looking uh, 2024 prospect out of the state of California. I think based on some of the internet chatter that's already out there on that, that's a quarterback that Georgia already has a pretty well-established relationship with. And you may hear a lot more about that name very, very you know soon and, and, and very aggressively over the course of the next few weeks that while the ship may have sailed on Georgia getting involved with a big name for 2023, names like Saiyan or maybe like Jaden Davis, who's another guy for the class of 2024 that a lot of our audience really likes a lot and has brought up a lot, even in the midst of the Arch Manning recruitment, you may hear names like that more prominently mentioned too not too late to stake your claim on a big 2024 quarterback even if you don't have the opportunity to do that anymore with the class of 2023 the other thing that i feel like is a little bit of a hard truth related to the manning decision is is that georgia's attempt to have a real big breakthrough at the wide receiver position with first year wide receivers coach brian mcclendon I'm not going to lie to you. I think that's just made more difficult now. You know, you go back and look at the, some of the stuff that uh, Hakeem Williams uh, told Jeff Sintel in AstoriaDogNation.com this week about, you know, the way in which certainly he had noticed that Georgia was very involved in Arch Manning, and he viewed that as a as a good thing. I think other recruits going to feel the same way. I'm not telling you that means that Georgia's going to strike out with all the receiver recruits that's going after but for a program who, as we've documented many times before, is looking to have that big breakthrough, that that new level of achievement when it comes to wide receiver recruiting, that would have been made easier had Georgia gotten Arch Manning. And the fact that Georgia didn't get Manning makes that a little tougher now. I think you have to be uh, a, a little bit honest about that. And then the final hard truth that I think you have to confront on this, and then after this we'll put the positive spin on this. But the final hard truth that I think has to be confronted is this. I said many, many times that I thought the Arch Manning recruitment was more than just a battle for a big player. It was also a little bit of a bellwether recruitment as an indicator of where college football is heading. And I think the Alabama portion of this is, I believe, evidence of that. I told you before that I think one of the ways and one of the reasons why Alabama was eliminated from the Manning discussion is because I think the Manning camp has plenty of reason to believe that the head coach of Alabama, Nick Saban, won't be there 
uh, at Alabama for the full time that, that that Manning is in school. That I think this camp probably with good reason maybe looks at the Alabama situation as a little bit more of a short-term proposition because Saban, who's now on the other side of 70 years old, has to be getting close to coming to the end of his career. That's an example of why this might be a little bit of a bellwether. And what we said about Georgia is that if Manning were to choose UGA, it's also an example of how maybe Georgia's kind of evolving from a perception standpoint. A program, and we talked about this actually on yesterday's show, a program known for great defense but not as much known for great offense, that the arrival of a guy like Manning being coupled with year three of Todd Munkin, a pretty big offensive explosion during the national championship year of 2021, all of that would add together to sort of speak to a reputation for UGA on the offensive side of the ball that's on the rise. Well, now that Manning has chosen Texas, I think the thing you're left to say is, okay, as Georgia moves into the next phase of its program life here on the heels of having won a national championship, it does so with a fairly similar perception to what it has had in the in the recent past which is a program more known for defense than it's going to be for offense it doesn't seem like right now the 2023 recruiting cycle is going to bring that narrative to an end maybe it changes sometime in the very near future but for now the manning decision i think leads you to believe okay for a little longer at least george is going to have to live with that perception that it's not quite as strong on offense as it is on defense so those are the hard truths that i think have to be confronted now there is a big silver lining i believe to all of this and i want to talk to you about that but first let me introduce the show my name is brandon adams and this is dog nation daily the daily podcast for georgia bulldogs fans presented by kroger we are happy to have you with us here today no matter how you get to us live on video 945 first and 15 dognation.com and the dog nation app 10 a.m after that facebook youtube twitter twitch or the radio at noon on app and sports radio 960 the ref and as a podcast wherever you find them including the world famous dognation.com we're just happy to have you a part of what we are doing here today and a big thanks to our friends at kroger for making it all possible let me tell you right now here's what i think i could use this weekend i know many of you probably feel the same way uh, when you get some bad news arch manning choosing texas you want to have some fun over the weekend to make you feel a little bit better about that well, that's where our friends at Kroger can step in here and help you do the thing that this time of year we love doing more than anything else, having a great cookout, enjoying a great uh, grilling opportunity, some good food, some good friends, some good beverages, just hanging out and having a great time uh, doing all of that. Kroger's got you covered for all your grilling needs here. Uh, you're entertaining friends, you're making yourself feel better after some bad news, whatever else. Uh, stop by your local Kroger store and enjoy all of that, or you can go to the website kroger.com slash summer dash grilling. That's Kroger.com slash summer dash grilling. And you can find out about the great opportunities available to you at Kroger. Hope you'll check that out today. We're going to let you check out Jeff's Intel here coming up in a moment. We're going to go uh, uh, on the road, assisted by AAA with Jeff's Intel. We'll talk some UJ recruiting with him here in just a mere matter of moments. Before that, though, let me do a version of Around the Doghouse. And I told you before that for a program like Georgia, who obviously has so much going for it, failure is never final bad news is never the ultimate end of the story there's always a next thing and eventually you will spin it forward to to something that that you know makes you feel better for your uga fan and i think that um that the arch manning situation is kind of an example of that let me say it this way so 
when you watch like some of these Georgia fans and Texas fans kind of going back and forth at each other over the course of the last you know day or so in the relationship with the Arch Manning News, like one of the things that's been kind of brought back to mind for a moment here, and I have to say, I have not really thought about this in years. Um, but it's that Georgia-Texas Sugar Bowl from back at the end of the 2018 season. I mean, doesn't that game seem like a million years ago? I mean, you know, doesn't it seem like a million years ago? It, it, it does to me. And, you know, everything from, you know, the disgraceful behavior of Bevo, the mascot that day, um, sucker punching uh, Uga, you know, trying to get him from, you know, when uh, you know, Uga didn't have a clear field of vision that, that Bevo was coming at him. That's an example of what I thought was really heinous behavior. Uh, but also Georgia's on the field that day played terrible. We all know that it was an embarrassing loss to a team, uh, Texas, that most Georgia fans don't have any respect for whatsoever. It was not a good day for the program. However, think about how much better things have been for UGA since then. It's really amazing. And some of y'all know a good friend of ours, Mike Johnson, who played at Alabama, was an All-American, a partner of mine on a show, SEC Country Live, that we like to do. And Mike's just a really good dude. And we had Mike on the show. I remember back, back in after the aftermath of Sugar Bowl. And Mike was like, hey, listen, you know, at Alabama, while I was there, we dealt with something very similar to this. We lost to Utah in the Sugar Bowl and everybody was dejected. You know, Nick Saban suffers this horrible, you know, bowl loss. And people are kind of left to wonder, well, is Nick Saban going to be as good for Alabama as as Tide fans thought he could be having come from Miami Dolphins and having won a national championship at LSU? And what Mike told us on the show in the immediate aftermath of Georgia having lost to Texas was that that loss is actually a galvanizing moment for Alabama. And Mike predicted the same thing could be true for Georgia. Now, admittedly, maybe it took a little longer, but also I think we would all acknowledge is that Georgia did grow from that moment in New Orleans. They were back in the Sugar Bowl again the next year and against probably on paper a better Baylor team. Georgia played way better, and Georgia had a depleted roster because some guys weren't playing, but the level of focus was much higher. And the growth that has occurred since then, doing it the hard way, grinding, has led Georgia to win a national championship. Now, the other thing that comes to mind for me on that Sugar Bowl back in 2018 is not only was Georgia as a program far inferior then to what it is now, ironically georgia also had something back then that really hasn't had since then georgia was you know just a few months removed from having won a gigantic recruiting battle for a player who was at least briefly the number one prospect in the entire country that was justin fields and 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 at the 2018 sugar bowl at the end of the 2018 season at least theoretically georgia still had fields but didn't have a lot else that the program has grown to have since then it's gained so much as a program Yet it's sort of kind of lost its connection with that like sort of high level five star quarterback in the aftermath of Justin Fields. We're just had a lot of weird things go on at the quarterback position. Yet it hasn't really harmed Georgia in terms of 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 winning a national championship. It hasn't it hasn't slowed Georgia down in its pursuit of that. Clearly, it did that uh, last year. Now, make sure you hear what I'm saying and and, and don't miss what I'm uh, not saying here. I'm not telling you that all of this proves that Georgia doesn't need a quarterback. That's not what I'm telling you. What I am telling you is, is that notice the way in which the Georgia program has grown all around this to the point that, hey, you know, the last frontier for this program to to sort of conquer 
is having that great quarterback who settles in here, makes himself at home here, and and leads UJ the national championship. That if you want to be as good a program as you possibly can be, you know, removing any potential vulnerability is a is is, is a key part of that. And I think eventually that Georgia might be able to do that. But it's ironic to think about how different things were for Georgia the last time it actually faced Texas on the field and how much the program has grown since then. And I guess my final point on this, and then we'll bring in Jeff Sintel after that. Like I mentioned before, that you know this is this is a loss for UGA. You didn't get Arch Manning. That, that that's a loss, but it's not the kind of loss that makes Georgia lesser because of it. It's simply an opportunity where you didn't gain what you could have gained. Georgia bringing in Manning would have been additive, but not getting him is not necessarily punitive. Everything that was good about Georgia before is still good right now. It just didn't get the chance to to add Arch Manning. Like you ever go to like the uh, stadium. Brooke Whitmire's the uh, PA announcer at uh, Georgia football games and when a you know play goes for zero yards a lot of times you'll hear Whitmire go the play failed the game that's kind of one of those phrases you hear in, in college football a lot the play failed the game that idea of failing to gain is I think really important in this Arch Manning discussion right now too is that Georgia had something to gain by getting Manning they didn't get him therefore they failed to gain but nothing was lost, and Georgia's not lesser because of this. And in the course of the next few weeks, next few months, next couple of years even, we'll find out what's next for Georgia. And eventually, I do truly believe the dog's going to land that truly great quarterback, either because a Gunner or a Brock or a Carson currently on the roster proves to be that guy, or someone in the 2024 class proves to be that guy. Eventually, for a program that seemingly has everything else, doesn't it just sort of seem like they are bound to eventually figure out the quarterback spot too? Well, stay tuned to find out when that happens. That is Around the Doghouse, and this is Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. So those are kind of my opinions about the situation involving Arch. But I do want to get more of the facts here. I want to start with this. What exactly went wrong and why was it that Manning was you know, left to choose Texas? What does it mean for the future of the Georgia quarterback spot in recruiting? We'll get to that there a little bit, too. And, oh, yeah, by the way, in the midst of all of this, Georgia's still hosting a bunch of visitors here this weekend and hosted a five-star guy uh, already this week. So uh, the rest of the recruiting stuff does not slow down. So let's cover that all with Jeff Sintel right now on the road, assisted by AAA. Happy to have him and all of you with us here today. and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. We welcome in Jeff Sintel here on the road, assisted by AAA. Good morning to you, Jeff. Uh, obviously, the topic at hand is the Arch Manning stuff. And admittedly, there's a huge portion of the audience that doesn't like it when we do this. And yet, I still sort of feel like it's somewhat necessary. It's the autopsy of what went wrong on a recruiting situation like this. So before we get into anything else regarding you know what might be next for Georgia quarterback or anything like that, can we talk for a couple of minutes here of why do you think, based on you spent a good bit of time in New Orleans, why do you think that Arch Manning chose Texas over Georgia, Jeff? Hey, Brandon, you weren't listening to Bob Seeger this morning on the way into work, were you? I, don't, I, don't, I was not, not listening that, to Bob Seeger, no. No, I was trying to make a turn-the-page joke right Oh, there. okay, I got too, that, yeah. Is that too soon? Is that too soon? No, that's um, fine. So, you know, can we just, like, I don't know, but I don't know how most feel. I think as I've been like digging in and people have been coming back and talking to me, I think the biggest casualty in terms of the autopsy for most folks is they were really, I guess, excited about getting another name brand at quarterback. They were excited about stacking the room, but 
really the Manning name was just going to bring a lot more receivers, a lot more offensive street cred, so to speak. And, and that's the biggest loss. And I think, you know, to answer your question directly, I mean, sometimes it's not what Georgia does wrong. It's kind of what the other, other school just does right. Here's what I know. I know that he was going to make that decision based on where he felt he could win and be developed. And Sarkeesian and the brain trust there in Texas has done a better job of convincing him that he can do all that. The development piece, but also uh, the fact that he could win and he can have a productive college career, play in a lot of big games, and be prepared for the NFL. I think those are the biggest reasons why Texas won out here for Arch Manning. And it's not uh, Georgia had too many quarterbacks or it's not, uh, you know, all those things. I'm sure if, if Georgia's offensive reputation looked like Texas's offensive reputation under Sarkeesian, this would have been a, probably a different decision. I'm not denying that or disputing that. But, Brandon, as the things come together here on this Arch Manning decision, it's, it's funny how a lot of these recruiting stories can be kind of chalked up in terms of high school relationships. And I think a lot of Georgia fans yesterday, today, maybe into the weekend, they're going, what happened with Arch Manning? It would have been nice. But they're, they're finding themselves going, how much did they really love Arch Manning anyway? And the other byproduct of this, I think, that you know, obviously needs to be set on your program, is that by Georgia being so heavily invested in Arch Manning, I think it's cost them uh, relationship equity with other bigger names in the class. And that's kind of the high-stakes poker game you play. And I think he could also be traced to Georgia. The last two big-time five-star quarterback battles they went after, uh, that's Dylan Rayola in 2024 and now Arch Manning in 2023. Uh, even when Georgia's recruiting success, reputation, all of that is at its zenith, they've now lost back-to-back consecutive high-profile quarterback battles. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things you're kind of left with here is that and I said this before you joined us, is that for those who want to see that evolution of Georgia's reputation as an offensive program and the results on the field, the numbers themselves, have actually gotten way better. And you credit Todd Munkin with that a lot. But in terms of that perception changing and recruiting, the Manning decision would seem to be an example of, no, there is still a degree to which folks view Georgia the same way they have viewed Georgia, even though Georgia got that shiny gold national championship trophy or the you know shiny crystal, if you think about the coaches, uh, uh, trophy. But one way or another, the, the national championship has not necessarily changed that perception of Georgia on offense, unfortunately. Yeah, and, and Brandon, I think a lot of this is just cause-effect. A lot of things are going to happen here in recruiting cause-effect. You see recruiting dominoes are going to fall pretty quickly now. I think here's, I think Georgia, the, the cause now is Georgia has, has lost out in the Arch Manning, the chase for Arch Manning. So the effect of that is now there's a lot of 2024 quarterbacks that were kind of thinking, yeah, not going to follow that guy, not going to be a, not going to be a part of Georgia's program, even though it's a pretty good fit for me, uh, with a guy like Arch Manning there. That's a little bit different than, uh, you know, the normal mindset of, hey, I'm going to come in and compete. I'm just going to do what I can. I'm going to try to go to the best place for me, and then I'm just going to see if I'm the best man and may the best quarterback win. There's a really healthy dose of ego that goes into quarterbacks when they walk into loaded quarterback rooms like that. It happens all the time. I think the other cause effect you're going to see here is, you know, Brennan, it, I don't think Georgia could have won either way, even with Manning. Because let's say Manning comes in. And really, Manning, for at least the first year he's on campus, his biggest benefit, I'm going to say here, I feel comfortable at saying that, was bringing in elite wide receivers around him to jazz up the offense. Now, the offensive wide receiver room would make an impact 
a, a quicker, clearer impact on the team than Manning would initially. Uh, and then it, it, when Manning does get on the field, there's going to be, if he was get get on the field, people would wonder, well, what's up with Georgia's development at quarterback if something didn't happen? You know, Brock Vandegrift's not on the field or Gunnar Stockton's not on the field, and then this guy comes in. So it's, it's almost a case of that's a loaded story. Uh, it's a big story. Uh, and now Texas, I mean, really Texas is faced with – uh, uh, an equivalent of bringing in Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields in back-to-back class. Right, let me do one th- more thing on this, and I want to shift gears and start looking at you know 2024s and whatnot after this. Um, I love Todd Monk, and I think that Todd Monk is one of the best things to ever happen for UGA. But I can't help but think about this though, Jeff. You know, Munkin is, you know, kind of a uh, NFL-oriented type guy. He's not really known for being the most touchy-feely dude necessarily. Sometimes he's described as, like, say, demanding even when it comes to, like, what his coaching personality is like. Of course, people say that in complimentary fashion because of how successful he's been, and I feel the need to say that one more time. But I can't help but wonder, you know, does that lack of, you know, like – you know, maybe full embrace of the recruiting process because that's not really what Munkin's background has all, always been. Does that in any way hurt Georgia in a recruitment like this where, you know, as kind of the face of the Georgia offense, maybe he's just not quite as touchy-feely as some other coaches are going to be? Brendan, I think, I think Todd Munkin, and I'm glad you're echoing a lot, a lot of praise here for Munkin because I do think, I mean, the quarterbacks I talk to now, the quarterbacks I've talked to for the last two years, I think the main reason why the unraveling or the evolution of Georgia's offense has happened is because of Todd Munkin. I think if you take Todd Munkin away from Georgia and those NFL strikes and that NFL pedigree, I think Georgia's ability to bring in these offensive weapons becomes quite limited uh, because he just has that NFL stamp, that quarterback guy. And Brennan, it's really interesting. The quarterbacks I talk to, they tell me that, you know, they like the way Munkin's approach is. Maybe he's not the recruiter. Um, but what he is is he's a very transparent, very straightforward guy. He is going to tell you uh, exactly how he how it is and what he wants and what he sees without any without any tracer. There's no, going to be no malarkey in the middle of that. It's going to be very direct. What Munkin has done in terms of a recruiter is it's different. Munkin has his targets and he's had targets in ev- several classes. And what he does is he sits down and he zooms up with him and he watches film with him. He talks football. He doesn't recruit him. He lets the way he teaches football and the way he interacts with him be the recruiting instead of the constant attention. I mean, he sets up, um, I mean, I've been talking to 2024 targets over the last couple of, over the last hours, the last 24 hours or so. And that's one of the things I keep hearing from them is they have meetings with Munkin. They talk to Munkin weekly, but it's not maybe some of that, you know, tried and true recruiting things that, uh, get, get schools to fall in love with folks. Speaking of that, let's talk about 2024 quarterbacks for a moment. Before you joined us, I said that I'm assuming that the way in which Georgia's gone all in on Manning might make it very difficult for Georgia to now get a 2023 quarterback. But you also get the impression that Georgia has plenty of opportunities still left in the class of 2024. Julian Sayan, for instance, from California, is a name that I think a lot of folks are going to be talking about. I can tell you, Jeff, from an audience standpoint, a lot of our folks, uh, they view Jaden Davis as a very intriguing prospect there as well. The Rayola thing, maybe maybe that ship has sailed, you know, him going to Ohio State. You don't see a lot of quarterback decommits from Ohio State necessarily. But in, in terms of the 2024 names, it seems like there are some pretty intriguing ones that could be on the horizon for you, Jay. Would you mind talking a little bit more about kind of what is next for Georgia when it comes to quarterback recruiting? 
Yeah, so, you know, Ju- Julian is a name, and I think Jaden Davis is a name. I guess we should probably start with Davis first because his roots with Georgia go back uh, a little bit longer than Julian. I mean, Jaden Brandon, he has reclassified. I think he would be a senior right now without a reclassification. Um, but he is a rising junior. He's out of North Carolina. He's always had strong roots in the Atlanta area. A lot of Georgia fans in his family. I believe Georgia offered him, man, way, way back when. I've got pictures of him when he's like seventh grader, Brandon. And then he reclassified. I think he's had the Georgia offer for at least four years now. And it's always been a situation with Jaden where you hear his name linked to Ohio State. And for a while, it seemed like he was going to be the guy for Ohio State. You hear his name linked to Georgia. You hear his name linked to Clemson, a lot of those schools. And now uh, you see with what Ohio State is getting with Rayola. And you see what you know the what you were hearing with Georgia and Manning. That was a need for Jaden Davis to explore the rest of the country. And now Michigan is the school that's really big for him. But you've got a guy there. You're going to watch his film. He's very accurate. He's very he's a QB country guy. He's very composed. I've seen him action in camps for a long, long time, Brandon. I saw him uh, at the Elite Eleven Atlanta camp in Carrollton. Uh, just this just this early winter, and he looked very sharp. He looked like one of the best guys there, even though he didn't get the E11 quarterback invite because he wasn't a rising senior. He wasn't a soon-to-be senior. Um, very polished. There's going to be a lot of a lot of Bryce Young do his game a little bit. He gets the ball out. Very very good athlete. Very capable. Great. You know, this is a top five quarterback in any class in any cycle he would be in. That's how good Jaden Davis is. And then the other name, Brandon, is a Julian saying it's an interesting guy out of California. He's a guy that I think immediately becomes somebody that, you know, his interest in Georgia was already heightened, but I think probably now it's at its apex. This is a young man. I, I had a chance to speak with him recently in the last 24 hours. He told me that his decision, which he was thinking about October, November, for the right school, for the right opportunity, he could escalate that greatly. He's got a great relationship with Monk, and he's spoken to Monk in this week. Julian Sands about 6'2", about 185, 190 pounds. He's going to be different, Brandon. This is a California quarterback. He likes to surf. Uh, he's got that long, wavy sunshine from, remember, the Titans type hair. Extremely accurate passer. I think he completed 72, 71% of his balls last year as a sophomore. And, you know, he was pushing the ball around in a lot of good spots. Brandon, he's at Calabasas, California. And I, you like the way he moves in the pocket. He makes throws on the run. Now, he's not going to be a prototype 6'4 guy like Manning was and like Rayola was. Again, I think he's about 6'1 and a half, 185. But, you know, all of a sudden, like I said, doors close and doors open. I think the door widens considerably with guys like Julian saying now, and it widens considerably with Jaden Davis. And these guys are, you know, widely considered among the top quarterback prospects in the nation for 2024. I think some Georgia fans, I'd love to hear your opinion on it. They feel a little bit better with the quarterback pecking order and a little bit of separation if Georgia doesn't take it 2023. I think if Georgia finds itself in a need to fill a quarterback role in their room, I think maybe the transfer portal might be a different way to go than rather just signing a 2023 high school kid outright. Um, I think those are the options that I would stack. 2024, a transfer portal person, transfer portal quarterback, excuse me, I would probably look at those options as probably more likely for Georgia than just going all in and trying to flip a 2023. But um, I will share that um, on3.com uh, is reporting that uh, Georgia has made communication with a 2022 quarterback 
that his current 2023 quarterback, excuse me. I started to say, wait, we're going, are we, are they're going back in time now? That's an amazing, uh, that's amazing pull for Kirby Smart to be able to go back to the past. Yeah, maybe that's the portal I have on my mind right there. But sure. it's a 2023 quarterback com- committed committed currently to Baylor. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I think most people, if you ask Dog Nation, I think they would probably feel better about, you know, the separation going after a five-star guy in 2024 because a lot of the guys that have gotten a 2023 quarterback now, going to be very hard for Texas to get a 2023 quarterback, going to be very hard for these other programs that are chasing the other five stars in the 2023 class because they've been recruiting them so heavily, like Tennessee, for instance, like USC, for instance. So Georgia now becomes very high up on the food chain in terms of a very enviable quarterback situation for a 2024 prospect. One more thing about saying is he loves the Georgia offense. He doesn't play in a high school air raid offense where he needs to throw it 40, 45 times a game. His high school system is very pro style. He's got his eyes on the future. It's a very strong athletic family. His older brother is right now the starting quarterback at Penn in the Ivy League, and he's just a sophomore. He's just a rising sophomore. So these folks know a lot, a lot about surfing and know a lot about quarterbacking, and that's a name. I like Davis as a name, and I like Sayin as a name for guys that I think Georgia should heat up with the most right now. So I think it's interesting that you also mentioned the possibility of the transfer portal, which I do think is a real thing here. And maybe I'm just saying this because I'm in a bad mood today, but that's also one of those areas in which if Georgia wants to go portal for a quarterback because they feel like they need more depth. And by the way, in the SEC this year, very good chance that uh, Texas A&M starting quarterback is a transfer portal guy, Max Johnson, having come from LSU. LSU mm-hmm. may have a transfer quarterback, and I mean, at least possibility with Jaden Daniels having come in from Arizona State. Ole Miss, there's a chance they have a transfer portal quarterback starting for them in Jackson Dart. So transfer portal quarterbacks were sort of like, you know, ranked SEC teams. That's a, that's a real thing now. And it could be that Georgia needs to kind of go back down that, you know, road again there too. But Jeff, Georgia's going to have to show that it can make a good decision out of the transfer portal there as well. In retrospect, and I hate to say it this way, but it's just a fact, that bringing in Jamie Newman was an awful choice because of the fact that Newman didn't stick around here for whatever reason he chose not to. And while JT Daniels, when he was healthy, was certainly you know a quarterback that showed a lot of promise, the truth is he never really quite shook the injury bug that kind of dominated his story before he got to UGA there as well. So if if George is going to lean on the transfer portal for quarterback depth and 12 months from now it may need to, I hope it makes a better decision this time with the transfer quarterback that it brings in. Yeah, you know, your points there, Brandon, they, they really can't be debated. I mean, I think the Newman situation, I mean, what happens there? Uh, is there a positive that comes after that? I think that the NFL's thoughts on Jamie Newman kind of rung true there where maybe Georgia brought in a guy that just – wasn't the most talented guy, wasn't the best fit. Now, you know, you will see just exactly how Georgia's evaluation of JT Daniels will look long-term because you'll see him having, you know, one NFL, more NFL audition year there for um, at West Virginia. I, it's just this, man. I think this goes back to conversations you and I have always had. It's like quarterback is very hard, Brandon. I think we've looked at, if, if, again, that the numbers are not going in any different direction. The numbers continue to trend in this direction that, out of all these five-star quarterbacks, roughly 40 to 50% of them transfer out because they can't win the job, they want to go somewhere else, it's just not a good fit. That's how really hard, even in this age of specialization and more quarterback gurus and 7-on-7s and you know, more up-tempo high school offenses where these young men throw the ball more and they make a lot of great reads and they're in charge with a lot of things that a quarterback would, it's still really, really, really hard to pinpoint you know, the exact – 
you know, best quarterback that can't miss guys, uh, even among the top, even those guys that wind up as five stars and amongst the top 15 players in the country. All right, I want to talk to you about something else other than quarterback because it's still actually a, a busy conclusion of the month here for UGA, including having a five star on campus this week. So I want to talk to you about that. But first, let me remind folks that we are on the road, assisted by AAA here today. And of course, I'm going to be traveling a lot over the course of the uh, next few days, which means that I'm always grateful to have that AAA membership card in my wallet in case something goes wrong. But that's not the only thing I want you to think of when you think about AAA there as well. I want you to think about great coverage for all kinds of different insurance there. Uh, and you get great benefits on that insurance when you choose to be insured by our friends at AAA, including f- claim-free rewards. How cool is this that when you go claim-free, you're going to earn cash back or renewal credit for every policy year that you remain claim-free. Just one of the ways in which AAA wants to take care of you. So you can call. That's 833-718-2075 to find out more information about all of that there today and talk to an agent very, very close to you about getting some great features and benefits coming from your insurance there via AAA. By the way, let me also remind you that coverage is subject to all policy terms, conditions, exclusions, and limitations, discounts and savings, opportunities, subject to eligibility requirements, subject to underwriting requirements, insurance underwritten by member select insurance company and non-affiliated insurance companies, copyright 2022, the Auto Club Group, all rights reserved. So Jeff Samuel Wimpemba was on uh, campus here this week. He was good enough to let us know that on social media. And there are other visitors on tap here for the weekend. So in the non-core quarterback category here give me a little bit of a snapshot of what's currently going on for uj recruiting as the month of june starts to come to a close uh brandon i must admit one of my favorite parts of our friday sessions are listening to you in that disclaimer voice yeah i think it gets gets coached up every week and it's not uh not drifting off the texas it keeps looking better and better every week sounding better and better every week but i gotta i gotta bring it to everyone's you know mind's eye and focus that this is the final stretch of a huge stretch of official visits in June uh, for Georgia. Uh, they've got a commitment coming into town in uh, just, excuse me, in, uh, in Joshua Miller. He's in an official. Justin Rett, who took his official visit back in April for G-Day, is also expected to be in town. That's another commitment. Um, I'm hearing that A.J. Harris might make an appearance, but on the official visit you know, list right there, you know, you've got Connor Liu, a three-star out of Kennesaw Mountain in Georgia. Uh, really, the guy George would be looking at there is a center-type prospect there as well. Um, you keep going through the list. I mean, I'm sure you guys have it up right there. I mean, it doesn't have the boom, boom, pow that, you know, the last few weeks have where Georgia brings up it brings in either six or seven top 100 guys or Georgia's going to bring in, you know, a, a, a lot of, you know, even the five-star top guys. I mean, I don't see that happening this week. This is a week where probably the biggest one you're going to see is I like the Rojas kid yeah. out of Fairfax, Virginia. Um, That's Joshua a Penn Miller State. Really Rojas is a Penn State commit. Is that right, Jeff? Uh, I don't know if he's committed. I think Clemson is in the mix for him. I okay. think he's got a top final four. Uh, he just took his official visit to uh, to uh, Penn State. But that's a school where Brandon also got to keep, keep, keep it clear, clear here and keep it real. Tony Rojas visited Georgia unofficially, I believe, last week in the middle of the week. So he's coming back to back to Georgia because that inside linebacker room is going to be very, very picky and choosy for Georgia and Glenn Schumann 
uh, in the 2023 class because it seems like there's a lot more dogs that want to get on board than there are seats on the ship. What well, can I ask you about uh, that real quick? I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I think it's an interesting topic because obviously there's a lot to like about C.J. Allen, the linebacker that just committed, but you do hear about Rojas obviously coming in. Week seems to be a name who's kind of growing in stature here a bit. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we're making a big deal about Raylan Wilson, who uh, is committed, uh, still committed to Michigan, I believe, that that there are some very big names in that linebacker spot. And, you know, the oldest cliche in the book is, uh, you know, spots are tight. But when it comes to linebacker, it seems like that really is true for UGA, is it not? Yeah, Brandon, there's certain spots. And I think offensive line might also be a place for Georgia here this, this cycle as well. There's certain spots where it's no longer Georgia has to, okay, we've got to recruit them really hard. We've got to show them some film. We've got to show them some depth. We've got to make sure they come in. Mama has a great official visit. Everything's great. I don't think it's no longer that for Georgia at, at inside linebacker, which is now the linebacker position. They splinter off the, splinter off the outside backer now. It's simply an edge rusher type thing, but – Brandon, there's so many guys where I think that they want to be Bulldogs, and I think it's more like selecting the one they want uh, out of a bunch of people that are all got their hands up saying, I want to be a dog. And I think you know, it was really cool how C.J. Allen got to be the first because, Brandon, for the longest time, I mean, going back to uh, going back to his sophomore year, you started seeing that film about C.J., and you're wondering, just why aren't the rankings a lot higher? He's a three-sport athlete. Um, he's the type of guy that I think no matter who Georgia signs in this 2023 class, he could very well end up being the best one there. And I don't even say that lightly. Uh, you've got Troy Bowles. You've got Grayson Pup Howard. You've got Raylan Wilson. Uh, these are a lot of really quality. you got Rojas, and I'm resisting the urge as much as I love the, 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 the Ted Lasso show. I'm resisting the urge to make some sort of recruiting his life type, type pun here uh, in full dad jokeness. Uh, because this guy, man, this Rojas kid, dude, he was the offensive player of the year in his region, Brandon, as a bruising hmm. running back. And then he was also the co-defensive player of the year in his region up in Fairfax, Virginia. I mean, he's a guy that everybody wants him. He's a physical, hard-nosed type player that would bring a you know unique dynamic there. I don't think Georgia's looking at him for its running back room. But you start thinking about what Georgia brought in. I, I think Shamal Munden, Brandon, does not get enough topics does not get enough juice right now about what he could be for Georgia. I mean, really, he's expected to be the running mate alongside Pop Pop Johnson this year at, at Georgia. You've also got Tresman Marshall. But remember what they signed in the last class with, you know, C.J. Washington and Jalen Walker. I mean, you know, still got Xavier Story floating in there around a little bit. That linebacker room is going to be – it's almost like you can pick – it's harder to find the guy that won't be a top three-round draft pick in Georgia's linebacker right now. Right, room right now than to find the ones that will not be um and for georgia to take three maybe four if, if the right four all want to say yes um the li- inside linebacker spot's really great the other name we got to bring out is another georgia alabama battle i know everybody likes hearing about going head-to-head with the tide but kelby collins is a top 75 overall prospect defensive end defensive lineman type i want you to think about maybe an even more athletic uh, Malik Herring type there, and you know he's in Georgia for his official visit. Kelby's went around went around a bunch, been on a lot of official visits, um, and he saved his last one for Georgia as well. So you have a lot of guys here. Where Brandon, this weekend is huge, and then the official visit season will kind of come to a close because July will mostly be dead, except for that last week in July, that last weekend in July. Um, so you know, when you look at Georgia. 
we, we, we continue to bring this up on hedges and I want to make sure your audience knows about it as well. You're normally allotted 56 official visits um, for a class, for a calendar cycle, academic year, for a recruiting year. And I think Georgia with this weekend will be right at 40. Um, and that's really, a, that's a really a change in trajectory about how Georgia now recruiting from a position of strength wants to bring in these guys early instead of, you know, having forced to having to host them on official visits on game weekends where Georgia's outcomes or the weekends are so outcome driven on game planning, get ready for opponent travel, things like that, where they'd rather bring them in as a whole all together in the month of June and watch that pay off. Jeff, good stuff. Thank you for being here on the road, assisted by AAA. We hope you have a, a great weekend coming up. And obviously, we know you'll be following all the recruiting news very closely here over the course of the next few days. Look forward to reading that at dognation.com and getting a chance to chat with you back here on the road, assisted by AAA again very soon as well. Brandon, take it easy, buddy. Have a great weekend and stay safe on that road, sir. You too, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Fruit. Yeah, so uh, really good there with Jeff Sintel. Always good to get his perspective. And it is interesting. You know, you don't just get like eight gazillion official visits. Obviously, Georgia hosts a lot of those. And it's amazing how many of those have kind of been front-loaded here. Early summer, a lot of those taking place. But you do have to be somewhat judicious about how you spread those out. Obviously, wanting to save yourself some of those for a late in the cycle there as well. So uh, it has been a busy month of June. And it has a month that I think has turned out uh to have a lot of fruit there for uga because obviously we think about cj allen and uh, aj harris and some of the names that georgia has added among others uh quite a run there lately for the dogs there in recruiting and of course plenty more good recruiting wins on the way there too we'll go cruise around the sec here courtesy of royal caribbean it's a great chance for me to remind you that it's a great opportunity for you to take a royal caribbean cruise vacation how nice would that be here this time of year or at some point in time there in 2022 you're making your plans do all of that and listen that might be obviously one of those great caribbean cruises that's what i enjoy doing but listen royal caribbean is also setting sail going to alaska i talked to some folks of the day who had just taken an alaskan cruise and it was really cool to hear about all this because that's not something i've done before and i think at some point in time you know i might you know i'm just kind of very much a beach guy i love being at the beach i love being you know kind of in the caribbean that's just kind of my speed in life so so to speak but you hear about some of these folks who take these like alaskan cruises and they go see all the inner passage and all the great wildlife and stuff associated with that uh that gets me really excited and it's kind of thing i wouldn't mind doing at some point in time there as well so whatever your cruise itinerary has for you royal caribbean's the right choice for you and our friends the cruise and vacation authority can help you solidify all that and make the best decision about your royal caribbean cruise vacation so please find the cruise and vacation authority that's who we recommend you booking your royal caribbean cruise with online tcava.com that's tcava.com or you can also give them a call 770-952-8300 770-952-8300 all right cruiser on the sec here for a moment and there is one aspect of the manning to texas story that i think is actually broadly more about college football in general because one of the questions that get asked is what does all this mean for quinn ewers you know ewers was elite quarterback prospect uh for decided to forego his senior year uh, there you see him there decided to forego his senior year to go to ohio state was rumored to have like a million dollars with nil he never quite completely bought that because we're not quite so sure how much of that was actual cash money and some of it seemed to be uh phony valuations of equity stakes and sort of fly-by-night companies but but either way ewers high profile went to ohio state was there for a year came back to texas he is a really sterling quarterback prospect and so a lot of folks are left to say well if manning's coming to texas in 2023 what does that mean for ewers in 2022 the honest answer is 
there's a chance that he's really good. I mean, certainly he's every, every bit the prospect any of these other guys are there as well. And so I think what this shows you is, is that maybe in the future, and this is relevant for George, maybe in the future and maybe actually more so in the present than you realize, there are great quarterback prospects who are just a little bit more patient with the idea of sitting than maybe we would assume them to be. Because I think Manning goes to Texas knowing full well that, hey, maybe you're not the starting quarterback for that program in 2023 if yours is as good as he's supposed to be. Now, maybe he's like everything else related to Texas and completely overrated. And so they're the, therefore, the door is totally open for Manning. But assuming that's not the case, there's a chance that Manning might have to be patient. And some folks would be like, well, how in the world could a great quarterback be patient? But Bryce Young was patient. He wasn't the starter at Alabama when he first arrived. He sat the bench as a backup and played actually very little in Mac Jones' great season in 2020. And while uh, Young was doing that in Tuscaloosa, you had a similar situation unfolding in Columbus, Ohio, where C.J. Stroud was sitting for a year behind uh, Justin Fields. That was also a weird year in which Ohio State didn't play very much. But but Stroud was patient. He wasn't the guy. was happy to wait. And when he got his chance, he's making good on that opportunity. I think the uh, relevance here for George is actually fairly obvious. As I said before, I think there's a huge pocket of fans who get really impatient on behalf of other quarterbacks of, oh my gosh, Carson Beck's not playing. Why is he not playing? When's Georgia going to play him? I think you get the sense from looking at message boards or our comment sections or social media that some fans are more impatient about Beck not playing than Beck himself is playing. He's still got a lot of eligibility left and still got a great opportunity to to be a great quarterback when he gets a chance to play and maybe even more likely to succeed at that point in time because of the seasoning and development and training that he's getting right now. We don't know how the future is going to play out, but certainly Carson doesn't seem to be in quite as big a hurry to accelerate that as some people are on his behalf. The same thing true for Brock Vandergriff and even true for a guy like Gunnar Stockton, who literally just got on campus. I think if you're you know, looking at this situation at Texas, also a lot of quarterbacks in the room, pay attention to the quarterbacks and their degree to willingness to be, to be patient. In some respects, they're actually more patient than sometimes you assume they would be, and that's important to keep in mind for Georgia there as well. Then finally, there's this. And listen, I totally admit, like we try to be classy around here and we try to like, you know, I, I guess do things the right way. But there's a moment we, we sort of just can't help ourselves. And sometimes we just sort of do things out of spite. So obviously, one of the great rivalries in college football is Texas and Oklahoma. And on the heels of Manning choosing Texas, you knew some Oklahoma fans were going to have to have some sort of say about that. And I believe this is the Barstool Sports account associated uh uh with um with oklahoma <laughs> and so if you're if you're not watching a video this is going to be kind of lost on you a little bit but here's manning in a high school game and like there's a guy trying to give chase on a pass rush here i literally think i probably run faster than that do- dude does i mean they're just people sort of diving at manning's legs and coming nowhere near him and the <laughs> The video shared by the Oklahoma Barstool account is basically trying to say that uh, Manning's got no competition whatsoever. And this particular small snapshot of a highlight would certainly believe that he make make you believe that he's not been playing against the world's greatest competition. Like, look at this dude giving chase. Now this is slowed down a little bit, but even in uh, full speed motion, it's not exactly the most impressive competition Manning happens to be playing here in this particular moment. And listen, we still think Manning's a pretty good player, but we thought that was pretty funny on the on behalf. Of the uh, Barstool Oklahoma account. So I figured we'd share that there for a moment as a way of at least laughing at what has been certainly a very hyped story here over the course of the last few months. We'll make that cruise around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. 
and we'll also invite you to enjoy yourself we talked about being outside earlier and enjoying some great cookout time here well as you're doing that great beverage is a great way to do all of that and that's where our friends at the finish long drink step to the plate for you how about picking up one of those eight can variety packs there are four different varieties of the finish long drink and if you get the eight can variety pack you get two cans of each of those finish long drink varieties And if you go to the longdrink.com, you can find out where you can pick up some today i hear from folks all the time that legitimately love the finish long drink myself included a lot of folks in my neighborhood there too because we're always passing it around we're doing pool parties and things like that so try it yourself whether it be the traditional comes in a blue can has the grapefruit flavor the gin kick the long drink zero that's no carbs no sugar always a great way to look good uh the finished long drink helps with that long drink strong eight and a half percent alcohol by volume i know some of you knuckleheads love that uh for obvious reasons and the long drink cranberry uh the cranberry flavor as you would expect it's all good stuff it all comes to you via the finished long drink you can find out some today the longdrink.com for a lot more on that so very funny here um i started the show by saying that my hope is to still be doing a show like this 40 years from now that i really have no desire to ever retire i like what i do why would i not just want to keep doing this forever god willing good personal decisions good health and so that got our producer michael carvel thinking i think this is really funny he did this on the fly as we were doing the show here today here's our golden shoe he says brandon adams hosting dog nation daily in 2072 you see meta the uh, sponsor there in the background and you see a very much older version of me in 2072 wearing by the way the same t-shirt i'm wearing right now which is actually kind of funny this is sort of a retro theme uh now it'll be really retro by the time you get to 2072 but maybe we still will be here doing all of this uh way into the future one can certainly hope and kind of a nice thing there very funny from our buddy michael carvel on the subject of me a long time from now and guess what in 2072 we don't think florida still will win a national championship it's been 4915 days since they've won one by then no telling how many days will have been i'm not good enough at math to know but I do know this, 127 days from right now, dogs back in Jacksonville beating up on those lousy, stinking gators again. That is our Gator Hater Countdown. This is Dog Nation Daily presented by Kroger. We hope you all have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here again on Monday. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. We'll take your comments here at both dognation.com and on Twitter at dognationdaily. And it's really funny to look at some of the Twitter replies that I've been getting it's really amazing how many rival fans, Florida fans in particular, maybe Tennessee, Auburn fans there as well, have been relegated to having little more to celebrate with their own fandom than Georgia not getting a quarterback commit. And listen, I love rivalries. I love jabs back and forth. I like sending out jabs, of course, and I don't mind taking them every now and then there as well. But I am so thankful that in my life, when it comes to the things I have to cheer for, for my favorite team, UGA, one of the things I'm not forced to cheer for is just simply being glad that one of my rivals didn't get a recruit. Not lost a player, but just failed to win with a recruit. So in light of everything that's gone on, important to keep that in the proper context, that in comparison to the teams that George is competing against, life is still very good for the dogs. And obviously we appreciate you being here on the program today invite you to check out rs andrews online at rsandrews.com it's very hot right now and if your ac unit's having a hard time keeping up with that let rs andrews breathe new life into that unit by tuning it back up to factory fresh specs it only costs 99 dollars, and you can learn more at rsandrews.com have a great weekend we'll see you back here monday for dog nation daily presented by kroger we'll look forward to talking to you then